0: This is Steel City Business, the Sheffield Business
1: Podcast. Hello, I'm James, and this is Steel City Business, brought to you by the team at Rebel Base Media, highlighting the great stuff happening within the business community here in Sheffield. Steel City Merchandise is in its 40th year of making branded, well, branded anything you can think of really and business is thriving we catch up with managing director james biggin to hear about their journey with plenty of ups and downs
0: i'm james biggin i'm managing director of steel city we do branded merchandise
1: Now, this is uh, a unique situation for us because this is Steel City meets Steel City. So we've got a lot of Steel City that's going on here. So um, tell us about your Steel City. So that was the reason that you jumped
0: out at me with the podcast, to be fair. But our Steel City is a branded merchandise distributor that operate UK wide. Uh, We've been going for 40 years this year and we supply merchandise that people will put their logo on. And use to promote themselves for their events, for their campaigns or for anything to do
1: with any of their marketing tactics that they employ. I'm going to really enjoy talking about this because <laughs> I, I love stuff. I love like bits. I love branded things. Uh, I used to, lo- I don't know if they exist anymore, but I used to love in, in one of my old jobs, I used to get like a catalog through every so often. Uh, Here's all the things that you could have branded with your company logo. Um, and uh, some of them were just absolutely ridiculous. Some insane things. Um, so uh, before we talk about like, you know, the important stuff, um, tell me about some of the products that I could have branded if I wanted to. Well, it, it is crazy that you can literally do anything. So anything that
0: links to what you try and do as a business or that you uh, have within your, your requirements to try and stand out, you know, you can, you can, I just got some love hearts out of the the box today uh, to have because I was feeling a little bit as though I needed a bit of sugar, but you can brand <laughs> love hearts right up to obviously uh, the cliche one would be playing it safe with condoms uh, <laughs> and uh, that your business is in safe hands. So um, you, can, you can go all manner. But then there's some really straightforward, uh, really useful items. The best ones are probably the most useful ones to somebody within business. So whether it's to use in their day-to-day or
1: or use in the office what's the weirdest thing that you've ever branded up for someone
0: the weirdest thing um i think we we got a, a, an order for space hoppers from a charity but they couldn't be branded oh, Brilliant. but they were just to absolutely raise a stack of cash right. and i think they did so space hoppers is is quite cool because they would have just been a shelf stacker not branded, unfortunately, right. because they uh, they have difficult with the material and where they uh, sources course, are from. Yeah. But that wasn't the need. The need was for for somewhere to to sell. But um, the weird and the wonderful, it, it actually it's actually a difficult one to answer because we we did one point five million promotional items last year. Wow! Uh, so that gives you the scope of the type of orders and the type of volume we're doing. So it, it's difficult to obviously think
1: about um, one particular product at a time course um so you mentioned that that you've been going for 40 years which is uh fantastic and and, and brilliant and is that literally is this is this year 40 is this the the 40th year 2020 is year 40 brilliant yes. well happy birthday on <laughs> on that note um I mean I'm guessing in in some ways that it's a, a market that will have have changed quite a bit as trends change then the kind of stuff that that, that you guys produce has has changed so how how have you kind of seen things changing in 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 your time so
0: I I joined the business in the early 2000s but before that it was my father's company but I had um, input and involvement uh, right from being a kid and coming along on a Saturday morning <laughs> uh, and looking around the showroom that we had at the time which was just filled with with amazing shiny gifts that were, were used uh, within businesses and I think that's where the start of, of what I would pr- probably say about the change is that it might have started out as Sheffield made gifts back in 1980 but very quickly had to evolve to other products and increase a product range for, for a market uh, and that's where it starts to to evolve into products that were sourced from overseas. Um, obviously, plastic items are now commonplace throughout um, every aspect of, of of trade and industry. And so, I think that that's that's where it's really devol- in, in, evolved into, which is products that are being brought in from the Far East. Um, so we've gone full circle from from local to, to global in terms of the reach uh, of supply chain. Uh, it's now a little bit more of a trend into eco, mm-hmm. and I think that you are getting companies that are wanting to promote themselves in an ethical way Mm -hmm. and use products that actually do get that message across. So I think that's becoming a little bit more of a, uh, of a hot topic at the moment, but it it really is just the, the, the global reach of
1: that supply chain is absolutely massive and we can, literally get anything it's that it's quite crazy and what about the flip side of that so in in terms of the um customer base and 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 kind of where your clients are i'm guessing in the early days it it would very much center around you know sheffield and probably the south yorkshire uh region what what about now because i'd imagine you have customers all over
0: yeah so it it was a, a sheffield based client base and I think you still have within our industry a lot of the uh, companies that are are up to probably half a million will probably have to focus around their local area. We're lucky that we've got some really good brands from Sheffield that, uh, that have stayed with us and that we've looked after for so many years now and that's really good. It provides us with a, a fantastic spread over the city but we deal nationwide now so we d- we're we sort of pushing out all the time to try and expand our presence into different cities and actually the, the Steel City branding doesn't really uh, hinder us in any way uh, I think that's just Seems to, seems to have been forgotten in terms of a regionalisation, I don't think we're, we're stereotyped at all, so we seem to do pretty well in a, in a UK reach, beyond that it's almost impossible to trade overseas uh, unless you have a presence over there and actually open a facility or an office, um, which you know, we're wanting to concentrate on growing, uh, growing the UK
1: market. Okay. Um, so what, what what's it like f- for you, kind of going back to those early days of, of going in on the Saturday and being in the showroom and you know, lots of things to, to, to play with, to where you are now running the, the, the business? What's that journey been like? I think that's probably why it was always going to be my destiny
0: in a weird way to be part of the business because I used to go in and it becomes part of you. You bleed, you cut when you cut yourself and you bleed promotional items or you bleed the branding. And I, and obviously seeing my dad and how hard he worked to create the business with his business partner back in 1980 and the struggles he went through, I was conscious that I wanted to do right by that and make sure that the legacy was continued in a way. And, and, do um, do the, the best I could to at least match or I- improve what he'd started. And I think it's been a struggle. It's not been easy. There's There's been real tough times. And, and actually taking over at the start of the reche- recession wasn't easy to do. He got out an absolutely two minutes before <laughs> that recession kicked in. Good timing. By luck, not by judgment. Uh, but he'd set up a really, really solid company. And it was very important that I try to... Improve on that and and try to move that forward. I think you always try and do better than than before, um, so it, it's been it's been amazing. I can still remember those times coming in and sort of looking at the Parker pens and the the shiny key rings and and everything like that. And
1: it it obviously was always going to be where I was going to end up. Um, so what 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 kind of whereabouts? is the company right now. So uh, you kind of mentioned some numbers in terms of, um, the amount of items that you, that you make, but, 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 you know, throw some more numbers at us in terms of how many people have you, have you kind of got working with the, the, the company and how many people is it that you kind of work with across the UK?
0: So I think when I look back, my, my dad had this, um, it was, it was very much a lifestyle business back when he was managing it with his business partner. So um, not necessarily a focus on profit, not necessarily a focus on keeping costs tight. Mm -hmm. And they they really did have a a good setup, but there was processes that, that, that were sort of needing to be looked at and needing to be improved upon. We are now at a point where we are at 10 people we have a turnover of about 1.9 now. We, we sort of jostle around that number, right. uh, give or take. Um, and and the most important thing was when we changed the business around just post recession, we went from almost a you know a, a very neutral profit position. We we weren't really making money to being a profitable company that was sustainable, that was strong financially, that was a very viable proposition for a supplier to work with any customer that would, would consider us would would check out and find a very strong financially com- financially performing company. And it's important for the staff as well to know that they've got a really, really safe option in terms of an employer. So um, it's, it's light years ahead of where it was and I'm conscious that I never, ever look at giving myself a compliment so you're not going to drag much more of that out (laughs) of me unfortunately but um, I'm I'm my own worst critic Uh, and but I I know that what we've achieved is quite staggering in terms of the change It, it does not look like the same company anymore
1: really but we have the same DNA running through it. What do you do when you're at like a networking event or a showcase and someone offers you a pen? It's a busman's holiday, that. <laughs> so it,
0: it does it does have a great conversation starter. Or, or equally, when when you're at an event and walking around and, and people are handing you goodie bags, I decline. Actually, right. Um, there's there's two parts of me. One part wants to take the product so that their stock is reduced ever so slightly, so they <laughs> might be looking at reordering a little bit quicker. Yep. And the next one is ha- how many how many products can I bring back and actually use when when literally we are stacked out with samples, <laughs> uh, with suppliers coming in. And, and And you know lavishing us with uh, with the latest products when they when they do so uh, it, it's often it's often a case that that I'll probably politely decline and let them use it for a pros- prospect or a potential client that they they really do need to try and drag in. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you can't find a pen Probably, uh, and and it's usually going to be out and about. So, so maybe maybe the travelling pen needs to be the, the the next invention. But it it is it is a little bit embarrassing, or equally the one that doesn't write. Yeah, yeah. Um, but which can happen because obviously uh, products are always there is a, a race to the bottom with products to see how how low cost they can be made. We're not in charge of manufacture. We're reliant on a supply base, and we do pretty well with the people we use for. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's funny
1: to be left without a product and, and especially the <laughs> highest volume selling item. I can imagine. Um, so, oh, I mean, obviously you're not the only company that does this. There's, there's quite a, a few, and I know from, from when I've ordered merchandise in the past that you, you kind of find yourself in a situation where you've got people offering you the lowest quote, and then you've got questions about the kind of the quality of it, and then people that seem to be producing something that um, looks good better and you feel that their customer service is better but the the price is obviously more so um what kind of where, where do you see yourself fitting in the market and i guess the real question there is what makes steel city unique compared to the other companies that do the same sort of thing
0: yeah it's really interesting question it's it's probably a bit of a journey i've been on in the last three months when i did the goldman sachs program Mm -hmm. which is is really focused on what our value proposition is we always knew that we had a pretty special relationship with clients the way we operate but we have actually realized that that is our value proposition is that we are we've differentiated ourselves in a in a really saturated market that's quite predominantly price driven um we can hit price points so there's no issues with that but what i think we add value is at the front end we 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 help people with ideas right from that first conversation piece and we put ourselves in their shoes so our value prop would be based around sparking ideas into a client's campaign but not really focusing on being just transactional so it's a it's a consultative approach, but that can be a bit of a fluffy word. And I think what's interesting in, in the last few months of, of really getting into this is that people are requiring co- more concierge services all the time. They're paying someone for a, uh, an, an opportunity, they're paying someone for a service that they really, really need at that moment. Now, we're slightly different in that concierge in terms of we don't charge people for ideas, but we will invest that time. So that they don't have to waste it looking around brochures, looking around websites and not really feeling confident in their choice where we know what's worked, we know what's been used before and we know what other clients are doing. So it's concierge, but obviously we're hoping that clients will stick with us and and actually then um, place that business given the effort we've put
1: in. Probably a good time to ask you this, this question if, if it's something that's kind of been at the forefront of your mind for the last few months. But if you had to pick three words that, that sum up the business, that sum up Steel City, what would they be? I think it's, it, it's
0: a spark.
1: It's right. investment.
0: And the investment is in time and the people and the brands. And it's the honesty. The honesty is we're not trying to sell the product we can make the most money on. Our margins are very straightforward. We don't, we don't overcomplicate it. And, and the, gu- the guys are, are really, from the, mo- the moment they get the brief, they're really invested in what that client's trying to do. If they've already got their idea, they might feel they can challenge it with a better idea. That's not to make more money. That's actually to just test what the client is really thinking and what they think is working. I think those are the three, ide- three, three words I'd probably choose for how we're
1: summing up where we're working at the moment. Okay. Um, what have been the the biggest successes for for Steel City, or I guess for, for you personally over the years? The
0: biggest one that I can really draw on is the office move that we did four years ago, where we were in the original building up until that point. A uh, little bit of a rat run, it was sort of tied around the edges, people were in their little sort of areas, no one really had any wasn't really bringing the culture out it had a very good culture to be fair still we'd have suppliers coming in for demos and talking about how special they they all felt coming in but we moved to a building that i bought in the end which is down near the law courts which mm-hmm. is open plan stripped brickwork, new york loft style astroturf we we you know we created that from from a bare shell of a an abandoned building um And I remember one of my colleagues who's been with me a very long time said that the first time we were all sat together in an open plan office, she said she felt it was a proper company. And, and so immediately I think that brought everything together again that we had, but it was all a little bit separate. Um, and it, it was something I wanted to do obviously for a future investment to have as an owned, owned building but um, it's transformed us as a, as a group of people. Um, I was slightly worried that people wouldn't like working near to each other, but that open plan feel and how people responded to that. For me, um, going on a few journeys in terms of looking at mentors and appreciating that I'm a very coachable person, and I also like the peer-to-peer support of me supporting other businesses as well, those are great journeys to go on which culminated in going on the Goldman Sachs programme for the latter part of 2019. And that's been a 2018, sorry, so I've been clear of it for a year now, (laughs) Um, and working on the business plan. But that journey was incredible, to meet the people that we met and to go on a course like that, which is rigorously interviewed for. It's a very lucky thing to have done. And that's the culmination of, of appreciating that I have got areas I want to learn and and things that I, gaps that I want to fill. um, Just being
1: aware that I think I can better myself. Wow. Um, The the flip side of of that, and I know you mentioned earlier about you kind of, you know, taking over in uh, the beginning of a recession, which is certainly a baptism of uh, of fire for for anyone. Um, So what have been the kind of the challenges in in, in your kind of time running the company? So we had that, that was a big shock to the system when that happened. And I think we had to stare
0: a lot of things in the face um, in terms of the overheads that the business had, the costs, the wages, everything that we had on, on, on our plate with a, a company that was literally making no money but was operating with a, a pretty decent turnover and a very loyal client base and a, and a supportive supply base. So it was a great opportunity to have a good go at something but to do a business turnaround in... S- 12 to 18 months was very scary having never tackled it before. Mm. I cut a third of the costs out in one year that it did include salaries, which was really upsetting at the time. And it was a, a period where I was having to do as many, as much of the sales as I'd always done. Right. Um, that was really hard. So that was probably one. And I look back now and I actually don't feel, that time period actually was reality. It feels like one of those periods of time that I've just almost consigned yep. and put into the uh, into the archive. Uh, it was really tough. Then, then the following one was when we moved offices. We, we obviously set that out. The challenge was there. We had to um, prepare the old building to hand back over to the landlord, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And a colleague came who was critical to the business in the accounts, came and said she was uh, terminally ill. Right. And so th- those things, as well as the moving of the building, um, as well as the new building, as well as a colleague, that all happened over six months. Right. And I think that was one of the biggest tests I've ever had, which was to try and operate an accounts function where someone had had complete control of all of the finances, mm-hmm. had all the knowledge of how to do everything and literally walked out on a Friday and never came back um and it was uh it was very close to to not being able to to get through that i would guess right. um it was the biggest challenge I'll ever face i think um we had to change we, we you know, we're transactionally we are hundred and fifty orders a month um that sort of turnover um the transactions are about an average order value of a thousand pounds, so that is a lot of accounting and bookkeeping, and we had no skill set in the building when that happened so that made me learn a lot
1: I, I'm, I'm fascinated what um so what what kind of goes through what's going through your head during that that period what you know how how are you dealing with that how how do you cope with with all that coming along at once i think i
0: realized after the recession and then this that period of time sorry this is quite glum isn't it um but i, I you know i hope I hope there's a few takeaways. Really, is that I, I'm a bit of a crisis manager, or I'm able to crisis manage, and it, it might sort of all come out in a in a certain way, but this, there ends up being a, a solution plan. And I think sometimes chaos, or or that you know something around chaos, if that's the word that you'd use, is sometimes what people end up. Needing to happen to shake them up a little bit because we all get a little bit bored, we all get a little bit sort of complacent in in business ownership um that that real learning was w- was quite tough to take, and I think it needed um it needed a few panicky moments, it needed a few sleepless nights, and it needed to to kind of get to a stage where we really didn't have a choice and we 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 didn't have a choice but to find something. We got lucky in a way. That there was somebody that worked for the company that provide our software that had just taken voluntary redundancy to try and do his own thing, so he came and got us by, and, right? And that's the the nicest possible way it got us got us by functionally, and then it was a case of uh, moving the office and then. Making sure we got some bookkeeper skills in involved but i 've heard some you know i 've heard some equally bad stories about other accountancy situations. what it 's also made sure is that i 'll never be in that risky situation again should something really sad happen like that mm-hmm. uh, because you have the emotional side of a of mm-hmm. someone you 've grown so close to as well as trying to weigh up the the fact that the business still needs to operate um, but it meant that um, Things like signing off of payments, salaries; those tasks are now no longer managed by just one person, and they shouldn't have been in the first place. But you play a safe you play a safe hand of cards all the time, and you rely on
1: people, and you never think the worst is going to happen. Of mm, course not. Of course not. Um, one of the things that that I've found quite interesting over the last few years, and this is, has been a trend for a lot longer than that, but um, this kind of move towards uh, very strong brand identities um, and particularly kind of bigger um, companies, really kind of their branding being so important. Um, what, what other kind of trends have, have, have you seen and picked up on and, and, and what, you know, that kind of move towards very kind of strong, well-identified brands, has that made things easier or more difficult for the kind of thing that you do? I think it's made it a lot easier I think we can have some really good conversations with people because
0: if they believe in it and they believe how their brand is perceived out there you can have some really good conversations with people about what they can use so for example the banks have been through a a real tough time in terms of trying to get people's trust but actually that gives them an opportunity to in our own little tactic, which is just branded merchandise is to actually consider how you can gain trust from somebody by giving them something or letting them use something that actually makes them realize that you can be trusted or that they can be trusted. So I think trust is a good way of of sort of highlighting that and equally employees are really buying into company brands now. So new starters and new starter packs. So there's some, obviously, lots of people are sharing on LinkedIn when they've started work and they they come to the desk and there's the hoodie there, the notebook, the travel mug. These are the sorts of things that companies are building on within their culture and showing how strong they are because it not only reinforces that the employee has made the good decision about working for that business, but it's also great to show off about in how you look after a, an employee when they first start and equally how that knock-on effect ha- is for for how that can that company is perceived you've
1: had a a, a relatively unique involvement within the Sheffield business community for, for for quite a few years now um how have you seen things changing in Sheffield and, and where do you kind of feel that Sheffield is right now from a business point of view I think the city's
0: becoming really innovative and I think the technology side is 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 really kind of coming to the the fore and it's so interesting to see the new startups and how many there are it's so interesting to see how many of these businesses are so creative and how many are really kind of championing the heartbeat of the city really and it's it's great to go along to events and see that happening it's great to see things like Kelham Island just uh, ballooning and and obviously the 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 fallout of what that happens is so positive things like commune collider and the shared workspaces it, it's a fascinating place to be right now and i think the the everything is a lot all about collaboration it's all about sharing experiences being shared and the city is is a special place to be i think anyone that's from sheffield that knows sheffield appreciates how many students stay and want to work and live in the city um how friendliest city in in england type uh, awards are given you know you you, you see the articles it's a, it's a really special place and i think that
1: that's part of how business is 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 conducted as well i'm really intrigued as to the answer to this question how does a company that makes promotional items promote itself So that's really good question because I think
0: for a long time we didn't. And then we rebranded just before the office move and brought a, a marketing manager on board. And part of the interview was to show her the new branding. And from that moment on, she fell in love with the company and the brand and the new brand. And I think what we've realized is that we have to promote ourselves using our personality. And we do that heavily on social and that's really interesting because actually social and the other tactics like what we do go quite hand in hand. You can actually be very creative and use imagery really well. And I think we've um, we've embraced the fact that a lot of social media is done with robots and a lot of social media is done just with churning out content. Whereas I think we have to appreciate that if we're going to differentiate ourselves on a service-based offering we have to use our personality to do that and we go to events and we're we're really uh, strong in terms of uh, looking good when we're doing exhibition stand because it's like kids and sweetie shops you get a stand that's full of of merchandise and people will pop along and and sort of spend a bit of time and have a play with things and they've seen another company or they've been given something great conversation starters and I think that the people within the company um, are just just very very sort of engaging to talk to and so knowledgeable so i think that's kind of the way we're doing it at the moment i think we've got to get a bit a bit more clever with our marketing into 2020 i think we want to try and use video a lot more and be a bit be a bit smarter with how we're getting our message
1: across show off about the core value prop but yeah well um James, I really kind of appreciate the the level of honesty that you've that you've kind of brought along to the um to the the chat that we've had today um taking everything that you've kind of talked about and the challenges and the things that you've sort of been through um if 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 you could kind of look back at, at you twenty years ago and there's someone in a similar sort of situation who's just about to kind of make that that step up and, and take over the running of a, a company, if you could offer someone one piece of advice from what what you've learned over the years, what would that be? I think for me the
0: processes when we sorted them out were the the critical point of of us really becoming a very solid company to to operate within so setting up those processes and knowing how you're going to operate when you have an order to deal with right through and making sure that the customer journey is consistent each time that's a learning that we had to go through ourselves and I would probably share that as as a real important point to kind of nail down the next part is to Stru- to look at structure, and I'd probably say that the, they probably marry quite closely. so it'd be the other point I would make is look at the structure and how you are now when you're starting out, and then revisit that with the next, with the next model to show where you want to be in five years, how you want that structure to look. But don't make it about people. Make it about the, the tasks that need to happen. formulate those into roles, and then the people follow. and that's either the people you've got. And if they're not the right fit, that's what you need to recruit for.
1: And what about the future for Steel City? So we've got
0: um, ambitious plans. We have um, just launched or just rejigged our website to be able to cope with a better data set. So we've got some really good product choice on there now that's very accurately priced. Our marketing has to be a little bit more robust. So I think we're going to go for a a bit of an overhaul of our marketing plan. And we're also looking at things like software that can actually improve our business functionality, make us slicker, remove a few of the bottlenecks that we've got. Just exploring that opportunity at the moment and seeing where that goes.
1: Brilliant. James, thank you ever so much for your time today. It's been absolutely brilliant to, uh, to chat. And um, yeah, the best of luck in the, the next chapter of, of Steel City. Thank you very much. It's been great. Find us at steelcitybusiness.com and subscribe to get our new episodes
0: first. Audio marketing works. Talk to the Rebel Base Media team about creating a custom, cost-effective podcast for your business at rebelbasemedia.io.